Welcome to the Peace and Chaos program. Get ready for your hosts, DJ Aceman and Big Don. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Peace and Chaos program. I'm DJ Aceman alongside the legendary Life of Big Don here today for another big Peace and Chaos live. Big Don, what's going on? Hey, we got through the full intro. Yes. Okay. Big so one today. We got some big stuff planned for tonight. Uh, we'll be talking about that's the title and the thumbnails just here. We'll be talking about the Olympics and whether or not it, the Delta variant will be affected in any sort of way. <laughs> yes, we're also going to be talking about um, what's going on in Japan with the COVID variant, such as the Delta and many others that are in Japan right now, and how that could affect. Um, the pandemic and the trajectory of COVID in other countries that have it under control. We're also going to be discussing a little bit about the science behind the coronavirus vaccine and how some people or what they now call um, breakthrough cases of people who are fully vaccinated. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about going back to um, the Olympics. We're going to talk about what the public opinion suggests about the Olympics and how a lot of Japanese people are still unhappy with hosting the Olympics. Then we're going to switch it over to the United States. We're going to talk about um, what's going on with the January 6th commission, specifically the politics with what's going on with Nancy Pelosi and also um, with House Minority Leader. Um, and we're also going to be talking about what's going on in Texas with the Texas, Texas Senate passing a very... Um, eyebrow-raising um, act, which we're going to get into. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Jeff Bezos. But before we begin, always, always, always go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We have the Twitter right here. The IG is on our YouTube homepage. You can go click on that and follow us. We have a lot of great content that is exclusive to both of these respective um, social media accounts. So go please follow us on there and never Thanks, miss Jen. a beat. Yes. We got yes. something in the plans for you that we're gonna announce after the stream here. Yeah, we have we have some things in the works that uh you'll get more information as as it goes along. But so you all better stay tuned. Yes, yes. And uh we'll just say next week, um just to let you all know, next week we will not have a live stream. Um we are going to be um we're gonna be busy next week, so we're not gonna be able to have a live stream. However, there is going to be a geoguesser. Um, landmark edition that is going to be coming out at that 8 p.m. hour. So for all those who might be tuning in and listening uh, to us at 8 p.m., don't you can't turn in next week. It's just going to be a GeoGuessr special for our GeoGuessr community. Anyways, let's get right into what's going on in Japan. So yesterday they had the big kickoff of the Olympics. Um, it started last night in Japan. And today, as of right now, apparently there are now 17 new Olympic-related COVID-19 cases and a total of 127. This is of this morning, so there could be more. We have not gotten those tallies out. A lot of skepticism of the Olympics have been going on. People in Japan and also around the uh, international community have been claiming that the Olympics should be postponed or should not happen at all. Um, some 
athletes have also tested positive for coronavirus. One is Coco Goff, who's a tennis player um, from the United States. She has gotten COVID and some others as well. I believe a Dutch rower got COVID today and some others who are not going to be able to compete for gold also tested positive. So this just brings me to the first question, Big Don. Do you think that it was right to even have the Olympics? Okay, that's a tough question because I think the because the amount of in a perfect world, I would say no. It's, okay. It was not a good idea. It's not a good idea to have an Olympic event during in a country that's experiencing a vast amount of COVID in the form of the Delta variant. And even though the, even though the the uh, the athletes, the Olympians, have been vaccinated, a lot of them have been vaccinated. <laughs> Do they require vaccines? I don't know. I don't but, think uh, so. I think some people have not gotten it yet. But obviously, you're you're seeing a lot of stuff coming out how the Delta variant is affecting people with vaccines. People are not getting hospitalized. Most people are, are going to be asymptomatic to it. Mm-hmm. Chances of you getting hospitalized from the Delta variant if you're vac- if you're vaccinated is extremely low. But this still raises the question of okay, we don't want to spread this this type of disease to the people who could potentially be unvaccinated. And this is why they kind of kept people out from attending the games. But still, it's a it's a big safety concern, and it can present a lot of liability. The problem is, is that Japan, ha- and this applies to countries in general that host Olympic Games, is that they invest a lot of money into infrastructure, making sure everything is safe and secure, mm-hmm. everything being the highest quality possible for the athletes. And this has been going on since... Uh, Way last year, so yeah, this has been. So, and you know that. Oh yeah, go ahead. So it becomes like a huge liability for a city like Tokyo, here, for example, to hold that much equipment on sort of their on sort of their populace's books. If you if you want to use some accounting terms there. Hmm. Yeah, and you know also too here in the U.S. and in other countries, you know the media, they get big money from advertisers um, for even buying out the Olympics like this year, NBC, I believe has the Olympics till next year. And then they have to bid for it again. But NBC has been doing numbers. You see with Rio and you also saw with uh, Pyeongchang in 2018. So also with all these advertisers um, like Toyota in Japan and other companies and other um, Japanese companies, who I believe Toyota funded one of the stadiums, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's some others as well, but um, there's a lot of business that goes on too. And if, if we were in a perfect world and, you know, the coronavirus was under control, but we can't change that. But if it was, you know, there would be tourism in Japan right now. Businesses would be doing a lot better. Um, If there wasn't any lockdowns or any sort of that going on in Japan right now, you know, you'd have businesses booming. You'd have people actually filling up the stadiums. Uh, they'd be getting a lot more um, revenue from tourists being there. But since there are no tourists, uh, since the public can't even go, um, they're really cutting it. This is this is a very risky scenario. And I think that's why a lot of people in Japan have been a little taken back by this. Yeah, they have. And there's obviously mass protests that have been going on because... Not only does it become like a question of like allocating resources, but uh, well, in terms of allocating resources, there are people, 
Japan has a pretty poor vaccination rate amongst its population. <laughs> we can actually put it up right here. Here's the Japanese vaccination rate. So it was horrible when I say in April, May, when we were closing in on over a million vaccinated, yep. they were doing terribly. They had 3.3% of the population who was vaccinated at the start of May. Us, if you compare it to us, I think it was a lot. Ours was a lot higher. But as it has gone on, they have had a bit, a little bit of a spike with vaccination. Um, 35% of the population has received their first dose. Yes. Um, and that's not terrible. That's not as bad. If you look here, there's actually a map right here. You can see what the U.S. Um, U.S. as of right now, um, fully vaccinated, 49.5%. Here in Japan, it is only, um, hold on, sorry. It is only 23%. So, and the U.S. is a lot more people. Um, so that is bad and it is poor that the vaccine infrastructure and the logistics of that has been so poor. But again, I think that it also shows you how ineffective the government was with distributing the vaccine. I mean, up here in the U.S., we had Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson. I mean, those were... Um, emergency approved late last year and early this year. But I think with Japan, they were kind of waiting on vaccine um, supplies to come in. So I think therefore they did have a lot of ineffective um, ways of getting the vaccine out. And you can see it here in May, they were doing terribly. Since then it has picked up a bit, but uh, they do have a lot of catching up to do compared to countries like the US, Canada, Germany, and in uh, Europe as well. Yeah, and, and you can see this across many countries around the world right now in terms of in terms of allocating funds to get vaccinations. I mean, and now you, it becomes like a question of the of whether or not the United States should help in that aid. But that's besides the point here. Obviously, there's in terms of Japan, there's a lot of protests going on in terms of okay, well, this is not this is not the Japanese people's number one priority right here because they're not really getting any revenue for from this because no one can attend the games. Mm -hmm. Yes, you bring up a good point. And uh, Voice of America actually uh, did some polls, or they found some polls, and it is pretty significant. Right here it says um, support for holding the virus postponed games rose to 34%, according to the poll by the Asahi Shimbun newspaper published on Monday. So this was back in June. This is the most relevant poll that they have from a month ago. And they go on to say, however, 32% still want the games to be canceled altogether, and 30% want the games to be delayed, down from 43% and 40% in last month's survey. So even though there has been still some support of hosting the games, a majority of the people do not want them. And it's probably because they can't enjoy them. And they're also scared that it's just going to make the pandemic worse, not just for them at home, but also for around the world. And they know it too. People are not vaccinated. Athletes from countries where the vaccination rates are low probably are not going to be coming vaccinated. Um, you have, I think most of the Olympians for the United States and other countries have been vaccinated, but other countries around the world and Olympians who are representing other countries who have low vaccination rates are really taking a chance. And I think the public sees that and sees how it really isn't going to benefit them in any ways. It's really just benefiting all the big businessmen and women who 
kind of funded this and also all the business interests that are involved, but it's not going to help the mom and pop shops in Tokyo or because no one can go. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's interesting to see how this will play out in terms of the cases that go up or mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen here in terms of what the amount of athletes that get sick. Obviously there's a significant amount. I mean, 127 Seven, athletes yeah. is not something to scoff at. Yep. It really is. It's, and, and we're only on like technically the second day now or yep. they're starting. Yeah. They're starting the second day. They have had some preliminary um, like games and other tournaments that have started on Wednesday. But for the most part, most of the um, activities have started um, yesterday on Friday. And, you know, although they have a lot of mask mandates and you see with the indoor arena, such as with ping pong or with water polo, how the refs and everyone else who's working in media has to, has to have a mask on. You know, the players and the athletes are not wearing masks for the most part. No, they're not. I, I didn't, I I mean, didn't see anyone. To. I mean, it's hard to, yeah, but, you know, you see with high schools and colleges here that implemented that. I mean, I think with some of the games, I mean, you could have probably put on a mask with, like, I mean, water polo, no, but I'm saying with ping pong and other games that maybe aren't requiring that much uh, cardiovascular activity, then I don't see why not. But I, I think that it's going to be, as I say it, as I said it, and we use this term a lot in the fall, it's going to be a super spreader and it's going to be a super spreader and it's going to affect how um, the coronavirus is going to be handled for several more months. I think in the U S we're going to see a little bit of an increase. I don't think it's going to be as bad, but I think in Japan it's going to be bad. And I think in other countries that uh, who have sent a lot of delegate uh, delegations of athletes, I think we're going to see some issues come in the next two, three weeks. Yeah, but you bring up a good point here in terms of the broad effects here. In fact, we can pivot towards that, but I want to get your sort of closing thoughts on on how do you think the Olympics will play out from... Well, the, the thing with the Olympics is it only goes for like a few weeks. True. Yeah, it's like two or three weeks. I think it ends sometime in second or third week in August. So luckily, it will be over, but... Yeah, I think it it will be over, luckily, but it's what happens afterwards that gets a lot of these public health um, workers and public policy makers worried. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Big Don? Yeah, I think think for a good pivot here, we should talk about what the experts are saying with the Delta variant here, because I think there's been some interesting stuff that's coming out in terms of how we're seeing other countries handle this in terms of Okay, who's getting affected here, even amongst like highly vaccinated populations? Mm -hmm. Yes, the term that they're using is called breakthrough. So anyone who has been fully vaccinated is considered a breakthrough case if they um, contract COVID. Um, So it talks a little bit about um, what it is. So the Delta variant has been surging across the United States for a few months now. It is a highly contagious variant. And the issue is with a lacking um, with a lack of vaccinations being distributed and a number of different areas across the U S this is the reason why we have seen an increase with COVID. Um, 
it says it now accounts for about 83% of the infectious infections diagnosed in the U.S. So 83% of the people who have COVID have the variant of Delta. Um, and it also has said that more than 97% of people hospitalized for COVID are unvaccinated. So wow. they're saying that there have been a lot of serious cases have been with the populations who have not taken the vaccine who maybe have gotten their first shot, maybe not the second shot, or may have lived in an area where there are not a lot of people who are fully vaccinated. And therefore, this is the reason why we are seeing an increase. So um, this co this variant, as we all know, is highly transmissible. I guess it's two times more powerful than the beta one that we saw um, in the winter. So, and you also saw what, india too how india was really suffering back in, in the spring yes and this was from this variant that originated there and you can see how the lack of vaccinations and how it is kind of plateaued over the past two months have led to increases in spikes now where i live it's it's pretty highly vaccinated i think it's like 70 something percent of the population has gotten a vaccine or has been fully vaccinated and I was talking to someone who lives in my city and my city's relatively big size. It's like 30 something thousand people. And they, they said that there's only like nine cases in my city. So it's not as bad as some other areas around who, you know, maybe have more of an unvaccinated, but I mean, that's just for the area that I live in that we're, we are mostly at that herd immunity stage, but I think for other cities that are not at the herd immunity stage, um, you know, they're, they're going to be dealing with this a lot worse. Yeah. And uh, let me see, let me see the vaccination rates for my, my state here, my good old state of New York, New York vaccination rates. I can pull up the vaccination rates. Hold on. How look later you. Google, you're not you're not giving me the proper stuff here. I thought there was. COVID vaccine tracker. See right here. I can show you what's going on nationwide right now. So in the US as of right now, we have kind of seen a little bit of a decrease. Hold on. Okay, good. We have kind of seen a little bit of a stagnation with the COVID vaccines. It kind of has plateaued a bit. Um, we are almost at 50% fully vaccinated. We're at specifically 49.5% um, of the population has been fully vaccinated. Mind you, about 80% of the population or about 84, 85% of the population can qualify for the vaccine due to the young kids not. But let's go here to New York, New York State. And then we could go to a couple other states in the area. Yeah, the COVID vaccines have really just kind of slid off a little bit. Yep. Um, this is pretty typical for all states. 56% of the population in New York has been fully vaccinated. 62.3% have had at least one dose. Let's go over to Pennsylvania. Let's see how your neighboring state is doing. You can go a few other states as well. As of right now in Pennsylvania, 64.8% of the population has at least one dose, while the fully vaccination rate is about 5% lower than New York at 51.8%. And let's go to California. We'll stick up with California. 
And then we'll compare it to Florida. Cali's had a pretty decent one. It is 52% fully vaccinated, um, mm-hmm. 63% uh, at least one vaccine. And I believe New Jersey has one of the highest. Yeah, 57.6% fully vaccinated in New Jersey. Let's go to Massachusetts. I believe they have relatively high. 63.5% fully vaccinated in mass. 72.1% at least one vaccine. Uh, then if you compare that to Texas. Yeah, we're going to. Go to Texas. Only 43.2% of the population in Texas is fully vaccinated. At least half, though, have at least one dose. So you can see how um, how it has gotten down with the vaccine because people are still hesitant or whatever. We have talked about this with how people maybe don't want to get it for whatever reason. But you can see how the hesitancy does have a cost. And the cost is that it's just going to um, increase the duration of the pandemic. And you see it here in the U.S. with the scare that happened this week with the markets falling, I believe. on Maybe they bounced back. They did bounce back, but that was a little bit of a wake-up call to some people about the Delta variant. And how that, how still people who are unvaccinated are still kind of, um, kind of leading this pandemic. They call it the, um, they use the term, the pandemic of the unvaccinated now. Yep. And it kind of is true, but people who are unvaccinated are still bringing it to people who are fully vaccinated. And the vaccine has shown that you can have mild symptoms. So if you do get vaccinated, which we all highly encourage, um, if you do get high, uh, fully vaccinated, you will have less um, extreme symptoms than others who do not. But it brings up a point, Big Don. Do you think that we are going to see um, some measures, such as what we talked about last week in L.A. County, where there's going to be more mask mandates? Or do you think that mask mandates are over businesses are going to be the ones to implement them, not the local government. I think you will see some mass mandates going around because I think that, I think this is probably the only going to be the beginning of mm-hmm. the amount of Delta we're going to be seeing. Okay. We look at, I'm going to look up uh, what uh, Osterholm has to say about this. Okay. Because I heard him say some good things about this. If you don't know Dr. Michael Osterholm, he's a, He's a world-leading expert in terms of, let me see if I can give him an official title. Let's see here. He's an epidemiologist who who makes a living off predicting stuff about like how pandemics play out. Got it. Let's see if he, so I'm doing an interview with uh, Cedar here. Let's see if here's see if he has anything to say about this because i generally touch, trust this word i probably trust him more than fauci at this point yeah this is one from march it says the variants will cause the new ones will cause more havoc so this was probably talking about the new variants that you saw with the uk variant you also saw um this was with the u.s variant as well um yeah yeah he was talking about that you sure there's a uh, South African variant now? Oh, yeah. I knew about that one. Yeah, there's the 
U.S. variant. You have the U.K. one that was pretty bad. Uh, you have the Indian one, which is the Delta. The America one, you have the original Chinese one, which apparently has died out, um, which isn't, it's not as effective. But yeah, the South African one came, wasn't it last year? I think it was fall? this year because South Africa is going for a pretty, went for a surge of COVID recently. Oh, I think one of the reasons why was because, you know, all the uh, fighting that went on down there, yeah. right? I think that might have had a played a role in it. I heard that there was a lack of COVID distri- uh, vaccine distribution, and there was also a lot of race tensions and issues that, I mean, we could cover on a whole other day because I heard, I've heard about it. I haven't really looked too much into what's going on in South Africa, but I think some of that has to do with what was going on with the chaos that was going on in South Africa, I would say a month ago now. Yeah, it kind of got buried up in the news here, though. People weren't really like looking at it because um, what was going on then? Yeah, the news cycle was like talking about something else when when that story was really popular uh, for what was going on global news. I think you had the election in Peru going on too, yep. but that was that was like a month and a half ago, or maybe not even. I think it was like a month ago, but there were some other stories here in the U.S. that people kind of looked at more. I remember it was it didn't get any news because of what was going on. But yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah, but going back to Osterholm here, he seems to be sounding the alarm of what's to come because right now we're kind of behind some other some countries right now. If you look at countries like the UK and the uh, the Netherlands, they have pretty high vaccination rates, and yet they're pretty pretty much getting hammered with uh, Delta right now. I think they're about eight weeks ahead of us in terms of vaccine distribution and <laughs> in terms of how much the Delta variant has spread here. So I think within the next two months, you can expect some big surge. Yeah. The United Kingdom right now has uh, fully vaccinated 55.2% and uh, at least one dose is close to 70% now. If you look at the Netherlands, um, I believe that theirs is around the same. Let me go see. Let's look on Denmark's because, oh yeah, look at that. Look at this in Denmark. I mean, there, it's like, theirs has it's been perfectly linear. Yeah, it really is. At least one dose is similar to Britain. It's about 70% and fully vaccinated about 50%. Mind you, they only have about, they have a smaller population. I think it's under like 12,000. Um, shout out Denmark. Yeah, shout out Denmark. Now, what I don't understand is that some countries are not brave enough to tell Google. Let's go to uh, see. Let's see our neighbors up north. Look at that. That's a plateau right here. Yeah, fifty point nine percent right now. Or no, about fifty four percent now. At least they 71, got uh, 70, 71 percent. They got the first dose. So mm. people, I mean, if you're getting the first dose, like, what's the point? It's like it only a matter of time before you get the second. True. True. And we talked about India a lot. Let's see how theirs is. Oh yeah, this is bad. Fully vaccinated, only 6.4% of the population as of Wednesday. And uh, one dose is only 242 but they do have over a billion people. So so even though that, that seems small to us, 87 million people have been fully vaccinated in India and 330 million. So that's the population literally of the U.S. So 
have at least gotten their first dough. So they have done relatively well if you're looking at um, the real numbers. But yeah, go back to uh, what was Michael, uh, Dr. Michael saying? Yeah, he's pretty much sounding the alarm in terms of what we expect within the next two months with the vaccine. Not the vaccine, with the, with the uh, Delta variant. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. I think we're probably going to have to go back to, as I said before, we're going to have to probably have to go back to mass mandates within some places. Some states are trying to implement it. And I think there's a lot of worry here with this politically because you get all of these people saying, okay, well, well, we, we just we just got out of this. So now you got to tell us to go back again. Mm-hmm. And, now, and now there's also talks of companies also providing like a booster shot for, for the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. And we all know how much uh, the anti-vax crowd is popular within the United States. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know when those booster shots are coming. I think that there are they are in the R&D phase right now. So I think they will probably be coming for some of them probably in the fall, I assume. So in the next couple of months, we'll probably see boosters coming out unless they're on a on their on a wide scale right now, just getting them ready for probably late August. But yeah, I think that we'll see those probably in September, October. Um, but they could be later due to delays or whatever. So that's what I predict. But yeah, it's interesting that workplaces could implement, I think by law, I don't know if they're allowed to. It's There's such a legal, it's such a gray area for this um, legality of businesses implementing that. But like I worked at, um, I've worked several jobs where you've had to have vaccinations of different um, diseases from different diseases. But I think one of the rules is that it has to be FDA approved. Yeah. Now, don't get me. I don't know if that's true, but we haven't gotten full FDA approval yet. That's if it has hasn't got fully fully FDA approved, I don't think you can implement it. So, um, it has been emergency approved, but not fully. But yeah, that that was um, that that's going to bring up a big question. And also, I think we're still going to see businesses implement the mask mandate if there is a surge in COVID, but. As for the social distancing and, you know, the limited capacities, I think we're going to see that go away. I think it's going to be definitely masks, though, in some places. Like if you fly on a plane right now, that industry is still implementing face masks. If you, you know, um, different uh, state and um, federal um, law centers or whatever, if you have like jury duty or whatever, if you go to court, they still mandate masks. So some industries in the U.S. and health um, health sites and health centers as well, pharmacies, uh, you still have to wear a mask. So I think that'll be the new normal for those kind of sites and places. But I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see it with small businesses. And even what do you think about college in the fall? Do you think that some colleges are going to implement the COVID vaccine and still going to take it um, – kind of like last year with the implementation of social distancing and mask wearing, or what do you think about that? Yeah, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of colleges right now implementing vaccine mandates. There's a little bit of a lot of protests regarding it. Like you'll like once in a while, you see like, like a change that thing that says like, okay, we need, we should have the choice of having vaccines 
mm-hmm. and this is a muffler or morally wrong. Yep. That's, I think we, in terms of policy, we can see in the future. Obviously, we, we're going to see a lot of vaccine mandates. And if this uh, Delta variant starts popping, then you could see potentially hybrid courses. You can see masks coming back within the classroom. I mean, I think it's going to be, I think worst case scenario, it's probably going to be pretty similar to what we saw at the beginning of this year with a lot of colleges where some will go fully online. Some will go like in person. Maybe yep. like people will still go back to their dorms or, or live on campus and participate mm-hmm. and either various versions of online or in-person classes with masks and social distancing. But who knows? I think it's going to only time will tell with uh, that. I mean, a lot of schools don't go back for another month or so. I mean, some two, three weeks if you're on the early end, but if you're on the later end, it's probably, if you're going to college, probably three, four, five weeks from now, we're going to start seeing students going back to college campuses some probably haven't even been back there since the pandemic because some schools still mandated online for the full year last year. Um, even in the spring as well, when COVID was at an all time high in January and uh, for the fall too, some students may have not been back for quite a while. So they're looking forward to going back. But I think for high schools and middle schools, I think that since they do live in the same communities, um, we probably will not see, I think they will still have the mask mandate for the young kids who still have not gotten vaccinated. The under 12s, I think elementaries and preschools will have mask mandates and all the rest, but I don't think it'll be virtual because you see how detrimental that is to children's yeah, it is. Um, learning and intellectual um, practice. But for the older students, I think if you're between you know middle school and high school age, I think that we're going to see probably no masks. I don't know if some schools still might implement some of it when it comes time for the flu or whatever, but I think that if you are fully vaccinated and you're in high school, probably not. But what do you think of the people's argument about how they don't want their child to be kind of singled out for not having a vaccine and having to wear a mask? Do you think that it's a good policy? No vaccine, no, ma- uh, no vaccine, wear a mask? Or do you think that it's or do you do you buy the discrimination um, kind of cry right there? It's a tough thing to say because you know I'm ultimately people can't force you to get vaccines. But on the other hand, I mean schools. The thing with schools here, if you look at it from their perspective, is they're going to face a lot of liability if they have an outbreak, especially with how our thing is looking with the Delta variant and the fear that's going around with that. I mean we're seeing a lot of people. We're seeing a lot of ICUs start to fill up. I mean, it's not pretty. Yeah. And if you have like a very condensed population of young people, they're gonna they're gonna be going out. They're gonna be they're gonna be hanging out with their friends. They're gonna be partying. Mm-hmm. And we start seeing that. It's just like, well, we're gonna be losing a lot of money here. Yeah. Because of, because of the potential lawsuits, and then there's also the possibility of going online. Yeah. Yeah, I think in that perspective, I don't think people understand it when when they say, oh, colleges are forcing it on our kids and they don't care about their health. I think in the perspective, if you're a college administrator or someone who works and makes those types of decisions, I think parents need to understand that they do care about your child's health and your student's health because it's on them, basically. 
you know, they're going to get a bad look if, let's say, 5% of the population tests positive and they have to shut down or even more and people are unvaccinated. And then, God forbid, people are getting extremely ill and you have people going into ICU. I mean, that that's an extreme scenario. But if you look at it that way, they're, they're going to be losing a lot of money and they're also going to be getting a lot of um, criticism. So they see it as best to have everyone fully vaccinated to return to normal. Yeah. But like I said before, only time will tell in terms of how things will play out. So maybe, maybe we won't get hit as bad. I mean, you never know. People might be able to get their stuff together. I mean, the stocks here certainly put some perspective into it when, when the, when stuff like the S&P falls, like I, like mm-hmm. I definitely think I hit with it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that that was very scary. With I think everyone who owns stocks was shocked by that. But yeah, just looking back at this in this college discussion, do you think that we're gonna see? How do you think it's gonna look for the college experience? Do you think that it is going to be um, back to normal, or do you think that it's gonna be? Slow and steady. Um, I think in the beginning it'll be there'll be like some normalcy, and then, and then based on sort of, I mean it's hard to tell because this we're predicting okay when these rates are going to be start popping up, and I don't really think it's going to happen in August. I think people are going to still be for the people that are keeping not keeping up with this. I think people are probably gonna, it's probably going to be not very much different compared to now unless we see some giant surge happen yep. within certain states. It's also going to depend on the state as well. Like if you're in a state with a very highly vaccinated population and then I think there'll be some normalcy. You'll see. But in states like, you know, we look at Texas, we look at Florida, all those states are not really doing so well with COVID. So it'll, I think college administration will be hesitant on that based on the demographics that live down there but other than that i think you're i think those particular schools are going to be more likely to implement sort of measures Mm -hmm. that's a that's a good point that's a good point i think it really depends on where you live in the country but if you have a big student body who is from all parts of the country and frankly the world as well um you you might have something to worry about so um, focusing on making it the most safest, but still an enjoyable and um, an effective experience is what they need. And I think there needs to be um, some transparency among parents who, you, you know, might criticize their vaccine vaccine policy at first, but later look at what the benefits are and how they outweigh the costs. So, I mean, in my eyes, I think that at first I was like, okay, I don't know if they can do it, but now I say, you know what, let let the um, colleges implement vaccination requirements, because if you don't, you risk another what happened in the fall or what happened in the spring of last year. And I don't think anyone wants to relive that, go home and take classes online, because it just is not the experience that everyone has invested in. No, it is not. But yes. Oh, we forgot to share with everyone the... uh, our poll we did this week. Yeah, we we did we we did one of our biggest polls. 
Yes, this has been tied with the Steven Crowder poll and I believe the uh, Peru Spanish poll. Yes, we've had we had 30 votes this week on our poll. And the question was, due to the rising COVID cases in Japan, should the Tokyo Olympics be canceled? Now, most of the people that answered this poll were either from the U.S., Australia or Great Britain or Canada as well, since it is most of the hashtags we used were in English and for one of those teams. So I'm not surprised by this. Uh, we can discuss this, but 60% said, let the games begin, while 40% said, yes, COVID will increase. So I think that in Japan, as we mentioned earlier, um, there's a lot of setback of not having, not wanting the um, Olympics at this moment due to a number of factors we got into. But I think the international community has wanted this, has just we're so sad last year when it was postponed, but yep. now they are so ready, so ready. But Big Don, what do you think of this? What is your analysis from our um, <clears throat> our study? Uh, people are tired of dealing with COVID, so I don't really blame them for saying no. Let the games begin. Yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, we had a few people get back to us saying that no, let the Olympics occur, but the Paralympics um, don't let that occur. And I can see why. Um, but I think that with the Olympics, at first I was a little hesitant, but I think that if they can get COVID under control, which is kind of, I don't know, it doesn't really look like they can at this moment, but if they can implement guidelines where you can lower the risk of contracting covid then i'm all for it because i think people are sick and tired of just sitting inside and not having anything to watch and for some people this was what they were looking forward to last year so i am happy that it's still going on and the show must go on so i am for letting the games begin but yeah shout out to everyone who uh filled that poll out we do polls every wednesday so make sure to go check that some on thursdays as well so Follow us on the Twitter account. Put it right here. Boom. All right. Boom. All right. You want to switch over now? You want to switch over now? Yes. All right. Here is what is going on in the District of Columbia. So as everyone knows, there has been um, a lot of tension between the two parties over uh, what occurred on January 6th during the insurrection. Democrats have, and some Republicans have wanted to have a committee to get to the bottom of what occurred on January 6th. Um, they have wanted to hear from um, officials. They've wanted to hear from uh, Capitol Police and other lawmakers on why this occurred. Now, don't forget, we had a committee for 9-11 and also for Benghazi. So um, for crises in the past, we've had had um, committees. So this has shown that there is a full divide and two different perspectives going on with uh, the January 6th committee. But what do you who, what do you think um, Nancy Pelosi is trying to get at denying uh, Jim Jordan and also um, another um, another Republican? Um, from the committee. Oh, geez. I mean, 
because they're both they said that they were both um some of them were de- election deniers and they were kind of a part of the trump wing but nancy pelosi wants to get someone like adam kinzinger who's more of a uh kind of centrist republican and you know liz cheney cheney and others who are more in the centrist position that um kind of want to get to the bottom of it what do you think of her denying um jim jordan and their other pick and well, uh, so mccarthy's other that. pick they want to get to that investigation as quickly as possible. And with mm-hmm. people like Jim Jordan, you're not really going to do that because, because you, the, that way in the Republican party is pretty much just flat out denying that the election was even fair in the first place and pretty much inciting the insurrection. Mm. And I think, I think to some extent they know that they play the role in it when when it came to the mouth dog whistling that was going on within yeah. the Republican Party leading him to the insurrection. Now, do you think that if this committee were um, to occur and do you think that there would be a lot of bombshells about maybe the Trump administration in particular, anyone who may have had a key role? Do you think that that will ever go out to the public or do you think that this is going to be what they call like political um the term is like political theater i mean it depends on how the if pelosi can get the republicans like liz cheney in the committee and push people like jim jordan out i think you'll see a lot more stuff to come to light but mm-hmm. if there if there's a if there's a base of people that are saying don't do this that it's not worth investigating then or, or just flat out saying like, yeah, we need to. The election was stolen from us, and then it's just like, well, then it is going to become political here. It's it's just going to be filibustering for weeks yeah. <laughs> about about how each decision that they made what is terrible. Mm-hmm. Do you think that for the particular rumored um, GOP, uh, and there's also rumors that former GOP uh, representative uh, from Virginia, Representative Denver Riggleman, who was also a former intelligence officer uh, who actually lost his primary in 2020 and who has been a critic of the MAGA, um, the MAGA group within the Republican Party, how he could be considered for this as well. Um, and also Liz Cheney and also um, Representative Kinzinger, how if they are picked or specifically Kinzinger and uh, Representative Liz Cheney, do you think that they could face major repercussions of getting voted back in in their Republican uh, majority um, districts? Yeah, the bad thing here is, I mean, these, I mean, they're, they've already been kind of delegated. Obviously, we have, obviously, we, we know the, what happened with Liz Cheney in terms of getting booted from her chair position within the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And then who was the other guy? Hmm. Uh, Representative Kinzinger. Yep, Kinzinger. From Illinois. Obviously, he, he's been an outspoken critics. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he, if he really had. Was he a congressman? Yes. Yep. So, I, th- I mean, he has some political say. I don't think he's really as well known within the party because of 
sort of being the outspoken critic of the party yeah. that he's in. But obviously, this is obviously Pelosi and then all the, all the other people that are trying to push for an investigation or trying to get as many people on their side as possible so they can have an easier fight here. True, true. Yeah, once this all gets sorted out, I'm sure we're going to have more information. This is still in the works with picking and choosing, um, you know, Representative McCarthy, uh, House Minority Leader. He started proposing um, potential um, committee members on Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi has uh, gotten back and denying a lot of them due to being a part of the GOP um, wing of the MAGA um, MAGA wing of the GOP, I should say. So she has um, kind of made her say um, still on the works, but we will give you more information. I'm sure this is going to be a big story when we're on again. Let's move now to the Lone Star State. And we discussed critical race theory a couple weeks ago. And if it, whether it should be in the classroom or not, we, found out that it's not really in the classroom it's more in advanced um, social studies courses and in college courses but this brings up a good question about what should be in school curriculums oh boy this is this was a bombshell yes if you ask me but and it's i think it's really really bad that it did not get as much media attention as it did yeah and I think it also shows you today, though, how there's kind of a culture battle going on. Culture wars. It's a culture war, but it's for the next generation. You see how it's directing the young kids, especially with curriculum, school curriculum. You want to just keep on brainwashing people to form your own agenda. And I mean, that people have been saying that the culture wars have really accelerated in the past four years. You've seen it with, um, you know anti-LGBT, pro-LGBT. Um, the conservatives are really adopting this term culture wars. I mean, I'll go on like, I'll see like Charlie Kirk use it all the time with his uh, turning point events. But you know, the thing is though, if you have a culture within your um, you know, political party, you're going to kind of get them to be more um, tied with you. And I think that that is why that base is so loyal is because they share a lot of the same values you know you hear the judeo-christian point a lot a lot of them are very religious a lot of them are um, anti-abortion yeah um you know and a lot of them you know also have a lot of other viewpoints that have been um formed over the years and i think with the democrat party in particular the progressive wing um that's quite the opposite they have quite the opposite so it has kind of formed a right versus left thing within the culture wars and anyone who's a moderate kind of gets thrown in with whomever they vote for so for this case the conservative you know christian bible belt um liver they're kind of going with the right wing and vice versa with the progressive who's going with the uh democrats so this right here yes this is getting ridiculous if you ask me yeah so if you don't know the context of this bill, so the Texas Senate bill was proposed by the Texas State Senate, and then I think it was, I think was it signed by uh, Greg Abbott? Uh, let's hear it. the bill addresses saying, "Yeah, 
recently passed and signed by Greg Abbott. So this limits a lot of American teachings here. And some of them, as you can see right here, let's, let's read this right here. Let's read this. It says the House bill requires that historical documents related to the civic accomplishments of marginalized population, mar marginalized populations be taught in public school classrooms. Among dozens of examples listed in the bill are women's suffrage and equal rights and the history and importance of civil rights movement, including the teaching of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. All right, so there's the bombshell right there. They want to pretty much, let's see here, because I'm not sure the if, if it's like, they're pretty much taking away the requirement for schools to teach this. And yeah. I mean, if you ask me, I mean, this could be a debate on like school choice and stuff like that, well, what, what so, schools want to teach, but this is stupid. Well, this is what it says. It says, um, what they want them to teach is uh, mostly um, like pro-American, yeah, civic uh, accomplishments of the marginalized of marginalized populations. So they kind of just want things. They want to promote this. That's kind of what they're saying. So it says it goes on later to say it will also require teaching about the accomplishments of U.S. farm workers, farm workers, and leader Cesar Chavez. Susan B. Anthony's writings about the women's suffragist movement and Native American history. Uh, it also goes on to state that public school educators must teach the history of white supremacy, uh, supremacy, including slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, and ways in which the white supremacist hate group was morally wrong. But if we look right here, if you look at the next sentence, but in the Senate bill, those agenda ideas were removed. Hmm. So I'm like, well, what what are you doing? Doesn't make any sense. Does not make any sense to me because I mean this is I mean I'm not I'm not sure about you, but I remember learning about the I have a dream speech in Oh yeah. That was one of the first things we learned about American history was was the civil rights movement and and then you had like the story of Rosa Parks and then you had MLK's March on Washington and then all the activism he did within himself. He learned about Jim Crow, about how there was segregation. Yeah. Yeah, actually at my elementary school, it's a very diverse elementary school. Um, we had, they talked a lot actually about um, like black American history. And also we had a mural of Martin Luther King Jr. on our wall at my, at my elementary school. And um, yeah, that was, we actually learned about MLK, I believe in first grade. That's when they first talked about who he was. And we read a lot of things about him throughout our elementary school years. And we talked about um, U.S. history, but we didn't really talk a lot about slavery in elementary school. That was more of a middle school, high school thing. Yeah. But MLK was, and Susan B. Anthony too. I think she was more fourth and fifth grade. And then we talked about later about Rosa Parks and mm -hmm. uh, the civil rights movement. That was later on. But MLK, I think, was like the mm -hmm. first big, um, civil rights activists that we touched on a lot and they emphasized him since i was at least five or six years old so this is going back a couple decades now but yeah he was and i mean i i went back to the school not too long ago and that mural is still there so and i'm sure he's in the um curriculum but it just doesn't make sense to me why, why a school would consider maybe 
a school curriculum or a school system or the state in this matter will consider taking that away. What, how do you think that's going to do to the children? I mean, well, the schools take it away, probably not. But the fact that they're giving them the freedom to do this. Well, I mean, I think most schools will probably not take it away, but I'm sure there will be some schools that are extreme. Yeah, because who, who I mean, know. you find like yeah, a couple of extreme examples. Like for example, within Louisiana, they talked about like the pros of like slavery within a history textbook that was exposed about like a month or two ago. But uh, if you're and they also in the bill, it requires like teachers to like explain like both sides of like a situation. Mm. And and that kind of resonates here when it comes to the headline of saying that the Ku Klux Klan is morally wrong. We, I mean, it could it could look at it as like teaching like an objective point of view of looking at the, the Klan, but it's like, well, well come on here. Yeah. It's it's the KKK. I mean. Yeah, and I mean, they've had such a big presence in Texas and also in the South as well that I think if you don't know your history and you don't know the perspectives of those people, you know, they say, as the saying goes, you're going to be doomed to repeat it. In my eyes, I think that, um, yeah, if you, don't, if you don't know the history and these children may not know i mean most of the school systems i'm sure are going to talk about who the kkk were but if they don't say that they were morally wrong some of these students are probably going to like it they're probably going to like the kkk well that's that's in a very slim majority but it you see where we're going here how even though i'm sure most school systems in texas who are probably logic who who probably exercise logic every day and who are smart will probably not even uh care for this bill because it won't have any impact on the way that they do uh, teach their curriculum but I'm sure there are some some school systems that are going to say you know what yeah let's diss Martin Luther King let's diss Susan B. Anthony let's diss women's suffrage and you know let's talk a little bit more about uh, the confederation and they'll, they'll go on to that but and you know they'll criticize abolitionists and they'll, they'll see this as an opportunity but I think yeah it's like a it's like when Prager U had that uh, video about removing the Robert E. Lee statue. And oh, that then was they called, uh, what was it, John Williams? John Brown. John Brown. A radical abolitionist. He, they call he him a radical like abolitionist. A... Oh, it's just like, yeah, he, he... It was completely wrong for John Brown to go... They called him yeah, the radical abolitionist. It's like, what is that supposed to mean? Prager U, you, you, you literally... You're literally other people that are saying, oh, Republicans freed everyone from slaves. So they, they are morally good. The Democrats put you all in chains. But then they called them radical abolitionists. I'm like, we're, we're, well, how does this justify anything? Doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah, Prager U has its own issues with teaching crap. I mean, the thing is, people, people are literally, te- there are teachers within public schools that are showing freaking Prager U videos. To their students. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the videos, I mean, we could pull up a PragerU video or even the Tuttle Twins, which I think they went out of business, the Tuttle Twins. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a garbage news. I mean, honestly, whoever. We, we were, a few weeks ago, we were looking over the Tuttle Twins and then we saw this guy react to the Tuttle Twins and he was getting some mad flack for it. Yeah, there, there was barely any. I don't think we're going to react to them, but no, really, PragerU. today. 
not today. Yeah, let's go on to PragerU real quick. I'm just pulling them up just to show you how good their views are usually. All right. So if we look at their, oh me, sorry. Yeah. See, let's see their most popular videos. Hold on. First, let's look at their subscriber count here. So the two point nine two million. So almost three million people are subscribed to the channel. Yeah, mostly are probably from the United States of America. Uh, let's see. So we here. go the most popular here. So left or liberal, the progressive income tax. Why I left the left. Oh, they went after socialism in Venezuela. Immigrants don't support what you fled. Um, socialism ruined my country is one of their big ones. Socialism versus capitalism. Oh, socialism here. Oh, yeah. Look at this one. Make men masculine again. Don't follow your passion. And Prager you versus YouTube. And then, oh, yeah, look at here. Yeah, hey, here this, we go. We just talked about this. Democrats and KKK. Top five issues facing black people. Is Denmark socialist? The war on boys, I guess. And where do you want to live? A red state or a blue state? So, yeah. The Middle East problem. It's another one. Which is about, um, is that? Is that uh, yeah, they're probably trying to justify the amount of. Oh, look at Stephen Crowder. Hey, look, this. it's uh, you can't debate Sam Cedar. Who will Google silence next? That was a couple years ago. And just say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. So, yeah, you see a lot of this, um, a lot of the points made about, you know, socialism versus capitalism. You also see their arguments about, um, the culture war specifically with gender and identity and how men aren't men today and how boys aren't boys today. They're all beta males. Yeah, beta males. And also this whole red state versus blue state as well. So that's kind of that it's the is culture war state. Yeah, that's their channel in a nutshell. They're either talking about capitalists versus the socialist people, or they're talking about the, the culture wars. So yeah, if go watch it, there are a lot of um, biased videos, but go check it out. Yeah, you can you can get some good memes out of them. You can watch some all the uh, the all the white TPs about uh, Dennis Prager. Those are funny. Oh yeah, oh those ones where they have the animated Dennis Prager. No, where they actually like edit Dennis Prager, like a Prager U video too, and then it, Dennis Prager says some like really cringy, like not cringy, like really edgy stuff. Oh my gosh, to make yeah. it sound like. Like Dennis Prager is like endorsing communism or something like that. It's it's hilarious. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's kind of wild. Well, yeah, that is Prager U. But yeah, I think that uh, we're gonna see education and curriculum building being a touchy subject for the future, and rightfully so. It's education is so important um, with leading a young movement, and I think that. You see this weaponization of science and now with education. And I really don't know what's going to happen in the future. What are they going to weaponize next? Yeah, like how can you take away the I have a dream speech from being taught in schools? I don't know. To push uh, an agenda. audacity you're going for here? You want to push an agenda, Big Don. That's what they want to do. They don't love black people. Uh, I don't know. Anyways. 
let's go on to our last story of the night unless you have anything else to say about this uh, i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> yeah all righty let's move on this was also in the lone star state actually on the 50th anniversary of going to space jeff bezos being the next millionaire or billionaire to go to space he also was joined by the oldest astronaut or what they call astronaut to go to space and also the youngest astronaut who's 18 but i guess of today they're actually going to change the uh definition of astronaut and um jeff bezos may never become one because of what they did with that but yes they went to space uh, on wednesday and um you saw some videos of them playing ping pong and having a good old time. Jeff Bezos gets off and says, best day ever. And then he has his little uh, cowboy hat and, you know, the rest was oh. all fun and games, you know. But this brings up a good question. With the era of space exploration now upon us, you saw Sir Branson, who went uh, last week and who was um, Virgin Airlines. And now you see Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, who just went up. Do you think that this is going to be a common occurrence for the future? Because I know Elon Musk is going to be going up sometime soon. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some other explorations that are not from NASA who are independently seeking this. Do you think that we're going to see more of this in the future? Probably. I mean, they're talking right now about having like space travel for, for like really wealthy people to have to like buy tickets and go into space. They also have those plan doing like elevators that go all the way up to, to like where you can see space and stuff like that. I mean, would I do it? Hell yes. I like just for the sake of defeating the flat earthers out there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I would love to go to space, but I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to hit the lottery or something. Yeah, it's gonna. It's probably gonna be in the range of two private companies chasing space tourism dollars. See, there you go. Yeah, you have the uh, Blue Origin, and I don't know what the other one is. Virgin Galactic. Yep. So yeah, and I mean Elon Musk apparently has some plans of doing something with Tesla, maybe or uh, with SpaceX, I think. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a thing of the future. I would definitely want to do it. If I had the opportunity, I would say, of course, I would love to go to space. I think that would be so fun. And I just think that it's going to take a while. But it shows you how this is kind of giving the public some hope that, I mean, we, we landed something on Mars recently. And I mean, we have been to the moon before, but how this is going to be open to the public, not just people who are experts in the solar system or who are astronauts or who work for NASA or who now are a part of the space force and the military. So I think that this is a good story. And it's also one that um, is a feel good story. And I think it's going to show us that there's a lot more um, to our solar system out there than we might know. And, I think it's time to bring on space. Actually, people are getting mad about this because of the amount of money Jeff Space was spent on making like oh. a spacecraft. Yeah, and I think that went up there for a short amount of time. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, 
we can talk about what he said afterwards with thank you all Amazon customers and thank you to uh, everyone who works at Amazon because you paid for this. Remember he said it like that? And then, I mean, that, that was awful. But um, I think overall, this was just an example of, you know, humans having the ability to go to space one day. And I mean, most people are not going to be able to afford it. But if you're a billionaire like Jeff Bezos or like Sir Richard Branson, I mean, this is easy money for you. But yeah, I mean, for normal people, no. Figures then. Oh, yeah. If you're making seven figures, it'll be in the foreseeable future. But if you're like an average Joe, this is not going to happen for, I don't know. I can't even put a timeline on it unless you win the lottery. Probably never, but. Or, or just really invest well. <laughs> Yes, you have to really go hard, but I think by the future, maybe in a hundred years, this will be a common thing. But right now, nah. But yeah, there there was controversy with it, uh, with Jeff Bezos and his little post game speech, if you will. And what do you think about that? The ten minutes he was up in space and then he came back said it was his best day ever. And then he said that about thank you, Amazon, and thank you uh, to all the customers. Was that yeah, a good move? that's not really a good PR move right there. Nah. And I mean, it's it's known that Amazon um, employees have in the past had to uh, defecate in bags and also not been able to uh, go to the bathroom. And I mean, you've heard with the uh, Alabama um the failed attempt to create a union in Alabama, how um, that, how there were a lot of workers there. And if you read the stories, you could have heard some people were not really getting lunch breaks. They were getting five minute, 10 minute lunch breaks, really just not fair, not being able to go to the bathroom. If they did have a lunch break, they would only be able to go on for about five, 10 minutes, abbreviated lunch breaks, not being able to go to the bathroom, being overworked, being overheated, being dehydrated. I mean, People who work at these, yeah, Jeff uh, Bezos is really trying to start communist revolution right now with that comment. Yeah, and, he, he really put he really pushed the thread right there because, I mean, we pretty much funded him to go to space. Like, what do we get out of it? Nothing. Nothing. All we see is just him in a cowboy hat laughing and saying, "Oh, it's the best day ever." So I think that's a bunch of um, that was not a good PR move right there, but I mean. Amazon is such a powerhouse that people can't really boycott it because then they're going to have to rely on some other Alibaba. Alibaba. You can rely on FedEx, but um, or eBay. You can't buy anything off FedEx. That's true. That's true. You have to buy it on like eBay. Yeah, eBay or really go to the store and get it yourself. Yeah. So yeah, Amazon has, I mean, it's a powerhouse. You can't boycott it, but um, Jeff Bezos has to. uh, He knew that that was probably going to be controversial, and it was. And I mean, I saw some, um, I mean, the the mainstream media on both sides kind of didn't really care, but I don't know. Did you see what Kyle Kalinske said about it? I didn't see what Kyle Kalinske said about it. I mean, he said that was the worst thing that he could have possibly said. Jeff Bezos, he said it was such a D-bag move. And, uh, I mean, it was such a D-bag move. And he said that how the media didn't really notice that was also so stupid and how they were kind of applauding him and playing patty cake with him the whole day. So, yeah, 
it, it was a D bag move to even say it. And uh, it's a little disappointing, but what can you do? He had a good day. So, <laughs> Off the backs okay. of us. Yep. He can laugh about it, and he also has a lot of money, so probably doesn't care. And he knows that he knows that Amazon's not going to collapse after this. I mean, there's no competitors with them. No, because really. they have such exceptional services that yeah, they they yeah, he's not going to be affected by this at all. So, but yeah, that that was a big story this week with Jeff Bezos and his best day ever. Well, glad you had your best day ever, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Have a great day. With your cowboy hat. He now looks like uh, Stephen A. when he wears his cowboy hat. How about them cowboys? Yeah. Anyways. Let's head back to Twitter for one sec. See what's trending on the tweets. Let's go see a tweet. Twitter trend tweet. Let's go see what's going on. Tucker's trending. Let's go see. Trending. I think Trump's having a rally somewhere. Sure he is, yeah. UFC Vegas 32 going on. Um, Qatar. I don't know if they're winning. Tucker. In a video posted to Instagram, a man calls Fox News host Tucker Carlson the worst human being known to mankind. Oh, we got to see this. Montana Sporting Goods Store. Boom. got to watch this. Is there a video? We'll see this. Uh, let's. Where's the uh, video? Oh, is this it? Hold on. We'll go backwards. We'll see what's yeah. going on with this. 31 second video. Okay. Let's see right here. Man confronts Tucker Carlson over his anti vax rhetoric. You're the worst human being to... known to man. Okay. Let me get the gist. Let's turn this one up and let's watch it. I don't care, man. Okay, just do. You are the worst human being. Known to man. I want you. That is like, wow. <laughs> he just, <laughs> just laying the ground. He's literally just, look at the hand. Oh, look at it. Look at that. You are the worst. He he is ready. Look, he's just potting it. Tucker, Tucker's laughing. Look at he's embracing it. He's embracing it. Ready. I want you to this state, to the United States, to everything else in this world. I don't care that you're not He's laughing. See, that's the Tucker laugh. He always laughs when he's on camera. He'll just laugh. He knows. Is it me or is the guy on the right look a little like Jimmy Kimmel? A tiny bit. Yeah, it looks like he Jimmy Kimmel just like dressed went like, cover. Yeah. Maybe he oh, did. Maybe he did. But I don't know, Tucker Carlson in Montana just laughing. Families, you have done to everybody else in this Why are they whispering too? I don't get that. Do you think that this could be uh staged? Uh I mean it looks it looks like acting to me. It kind of does. But why is Tucker Carlson in Montana? Yeah, weird. But um yeah, what? Yeah, but it just seems a little like staged to me because he's like laughing at the camera. How do they get the camera work that good? How do they even know Tucker was there? Like, 
And who is that guy who said that? That's what I have to say. Looks a little fake to me, but that's just my opinion. Other things going on. We have a lot of baseball things going on. Uh, Olympics. Um, J-Lo. A lot of Olympics. Rolling Loud is going on right now, too. And that, that's basically it. We could go on to the news thing here on Twitter. Tucker, of course. Tucker uh, is. Yeah, he is, he's all over. See, Montana. Hmm. Jim Acosta. I'm vexed. Are you trending? And then some articles. Cuba's trending. I mean, that's just in the news flash. Saki with vaccination. So just kind of seeing the same thing here with basically everything we kind of expected for Twitter tonight. But yeah, just a reminder to everyone um, before we start wrapping it up next week, I'll repeat next week, we will not have a live stream. So do not um, expect to, for us to be on. We are taking the week off. We have some things we have to uh, do. So we're going to be busy next week. So no live stream next week. However, we have a good GeoGuessr video coming out next Saturday, same time at 8 p.m. So if you tune in, you're going to get the GeoGuessr video for all our GeoGuessr fans out there in our GeoGuessr community. You guys deserve this one. This is of the landmarks. So we're going worldwide on this one and you don't want to miss it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we'll be back on the 7th of August. We will have a big live stream on the 7th of August. And then after that, we'll tell you about what the schedule is going to be for the fall. Most likely we're going to do Saturdays, but we are not sure yet because we're going to be back at work and school. So we will keep you guys covered, but that is what to expect for next week. So next week, GeoGuessr. GeoGuessr next week. Yep, and then we'll explain why we're, we were gone that week for you guys yep. on that GeoGuessr video. So stay tuned. Yeah, we do, we do explain what's going on then. And then following week, you'll have some additional content as well. Maybe this week or next week, I might have some analysis of some um, elections that are coming up. So some of those will be coming up. We'll also will be doing our DNC, Democrat. Um, that'll be coming out sometime in August as well for the um, tier list and everyone's running up the numbers on that uh, Republican tier list. So we are so grateful that you guys all liked it and watched it because we're doing numbers on that right now. We thank you all for that. You know, you always, you always um, try to find time out of your day to watch us. And we always appreciate that. So we're going to continue to grow with the peace and chaos program. Um, One week off, we're going to be doing some things. So we're going to be busy, but, Next week will be a good GeoGuessr video, and I can guarantee that. And a lot more videos to come as well, so not just live streams. But yes, Big Don, do you have any other uh, points to make? Go Guardians. Oh, yeah. Go Guardians. Anyways. Oh, and yeah, go Kraken, too. They just got their team the other day. Seattle. Seattle Kraken. Anyways, you know the drill. Peace and Chaos P1, Peace and Chaos P1 on Twitter, Banner or IG. We don't have that pulled up tonight. Uh, 
we're going to have some polls that we're going to be doing this week. We might be doing some videos and analysis on those polls. So keep it locked for that. And yeah, that's going to do it for us. I'm DJ Aspen, along with the legendary Life of Big Dawn. See you on August 7th. Peace. Hey, that's my line. Oh, yeah. Okay, we just...